1: Thank you for listening to Talk Me Into, the podcast where a group of friends try to talk each other, and maybe even you, into liking what we like. This episode is The Big Chill. My name is Jimmy, and I'm bummed I was never old enough to have a blockbuster card.
0: My name is Dan, and my unofficial romantic title is The Snuggle King.
2: I have to gain composure. That was a good one. (laughs) Why didn't you go last for that? Why are you doing this? (laughs) (laughs) I think you broke.
1: Jeff's fun fact is that he he died.
2: My name is Jeff, and Dan and I wrote a theme song for a sitcom that doesn't exist called Jesus and Todd, featuring Jesus Christ and his roommate Todd. <laughs> I have no memory of r- that. do not really familiar. Jesus had a roommate. His name was Todd. Todd oh, said, yeah. "Fuck you, I hate God." I don't remember what he said. Sorry, Jim. Yeah, um, that was that was great. Cool. Very cool. That. Wow, that Dan, when you have one that funny. You have to volunteer to go last. I didn't think it was gonna be that big of a hit. That was
0: it's pretty good. I don't
2: even know where did that who calls you the Snuggle King?
0: Well, uh a woman that I'm no longer seeing referred to me as the Snuggle King. And now I've I've said it to other women as a joke. <laughs> I would what? not be telling Did other women That one woman on called you
2: the snuggle king You're going on dates And you're like my name is Dan But this other one that no. I used to see Called no, me no. the if snuggle king If it comes
0: king. up like someone's like oh I love to snuggle Or I love a good snuggle I'll say like oh I've been referred to as the snuggle king
2: <laughs> And then People
1: s- refer to me as cool Awesome yeah, exactly. Video games The hottest And real real hot
2: Listen,
0: I've got a lot of negative qualities, but one thing I'm quite good at is snuggling. Oh Oh, man, that was really snuggle one day. Jimmy, that's not right. (laughs) Yep.
2: Do we have any reviews? I don't know, Dan Snuggle King. How do I refer to you now? I don't know. Just Dan is fine. <clears throat>
1: we do. It's like when you're superheroes, but you don't want to call each other by your real names. So you have to call each other like Iron Man. Yeah. Now we just got to refer to Dan as the Snuggle King. There's that great
0: uh. sequence in, uh, in Infinity War where he's like, I'm Dr. Strange. He's like, oh, we're using code oh, names? Yeah. We're using, right. yeah, I'm we're using our fake names. Yeah. I'm Snuggle King.
2: <laughs> we got a five-star review, fellas. You know what that means? What? That means that, that we read it on the pod five stars the subject is five stars i'm loving this so far the review what a fun show with a great concept the hosts have great chemistry i love the Shits creek episode subscribed thank you very much i was that was one of my favorite episodes too whoever left that i wasn't on that episode one <laughs> <laughs> um you, you are know, that the worst was- part of the podcast so that's that might be true oh i highly disagree with that i do too oh what's the worst part jim
1: <laughs> oh it's me
2: oh yeah you suck uh, no you're yeah. good you're good you're you do the things that we don't want to do and you do them better than we ever could oh thank you you're welcome
1: okay yeah the tennis pod podcast uh gave that review so thank you
0: that's a good podcast
2: Every week on Talk Me Into, we have a segment that is about to begin, and we call it <laughs> Talking Ourselves Into. I don't think we ever officially called it that. We just say we don't know what it's called, so we're calling it Talking Ourselves Into. No, no, into. no. You say that. I say it's called Talking Ourselves Into. Okay. It's called Talking Ourselves Into, <laughs> and it's something small that we don't want to spend a whole episode on because, like, this week I'm talking myself into Lamont pepino Gatorade. <laughs>
1: Okay. (laughs) Of course you are, because why wouldn't you be? Which is
2: Lime Cucumber Gatorade, which is the greatest Gatorade flavor of all time. And I'm already talked I've been talked into this forever, but this week in particular, I was sitting on my couch several nights ago, maybe a week. I don't know how long ago it was. And my wife was sitting over there and we were watching a movie, and all of a sudden I said, I really want some lime cucumber Gatorade. (laughs) <laughs> and it was like nine o'clock at night and she's like okay go get some and i was like i can because like we have the baby and stuff and she's already down and i was like you know i haven't really left the house this late at night so i go out to a, a local convenience store and it's nine o'clock and there's just a lot of people out and i was to me it feels like 3 30 a.m right and I'm like, why are so many people out this late? Don't these people have oh, homes God. and beds? Yeah, that's. I'm already there. So they don't have it. So I go on a journey trying to find, I'm looking online and like the Dollar General's like, we got it. I go there. They ain't got shit. They got shit Gatorade flavors. They don't have anything worth anything. So I've been looking. I wish you had said Jack in that
0: phrase. Like, they ain't got shit, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cooler
2: it would have been you're right Uh, so i i can't find it and then i was shopping at a walmart uh, a super walmart is because you know most of the walmart's like in the south they're all they all have grocery stores but up here they don't there's only a couple yeah the super ones do and all I go to the Gatorade aisle and I see that that greenish, that light green, beautiful sea serpent green, <laughs> that foamy ass green color. Ugh. And I was like mm. <laughs> and I run over there and they got it in two sizes. I grabbed six large Gatorade bottles and I was like, I will start with this. And I bought them <laughs> and they are so delicious, so refreshing. They get your elect- electrolytes flowing. They get your taste buds <laughs> going. They got electrolytes. And they got your... Inside's glowing because that artificial color that makes it so green and so fresh and so clean. So fresh, I love and so green. It. It's the best Gatorade flavor ever. Hard to find. Uh, get it. So Gatorade <laughs> keeps making it, and it's it it sucks because you don't want to chill for like a big corporation, but like it's good. It's good, guys. Jimmy, okay. Jimmy, what are you talking yourself into this week? So I have, um, I have three
1: video games that I've been playing, and that's what I've been talking. Just pick myself one. Into. Just pick one.
0: We're not doing all. <laughs> really? This. You want? Okay, just, I can just, just pick one. Just you can turn me. this into three segments, Jim. We know you have the power.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Dan, you're gonna appreciate the first one because it just came out and it's a game that you are familiar with. It is called New Pokemon Snap. Oh, it is a, they made a, game... a new Pokemon Snap. They made a new Pokemon snap and I've been playing it and it is the most adorable game that I've ever played. It is very cute. You you're on a, you're basically on like a track and there's like this, kind of like it feels like an amusement park of Pokemon. You just go around, you take pictures of Pokemon. They all have like these things that uh, they do and you have to catch them at the right point and you have to like throw things at them. So they'll do stuff, which is kind of funny. They even like retcon because in the first game you throw apples at them and then they'll like grab the apples, but you can actually like throw it at them and they like get knocked out and stuff. But now they they have, I think they're called Fluff Fruit because they're lighter than apples. So it doesn't make you feel like animal abuse. Um, Thanks, Obama. All. yeah uh, but it's really fun and really cute and i'm really enjoying it um i would play that, game game that I, with you oh yeah you should come over sometime we'll play it um the second game i've been playing is called super mario rpg which is a game for the super nintendo which i didn't have until recently i got it on ebay for uh probably expensive price because it's, <laughs> it's a more popular game but it's also a little bit harder to find um but it, it's good I've, I've been enjoying it it's I'm a really big fan of this series. It's called Paper Mario, which is very similar. It's, it's like an RPG, but with like Mario characters and stuff. And it. it took a lot from this game, it, it seems like. So um, I've been playing it, and I'm seeing the similarities. I like Paper Mario a little bit better, but I've been enjoying it nonetheless. And uh, I'm not going to talk too much about the, the third game, because it's going to be a late-to-the-game episode. But it's a game called Mass Effect, and uh, I've been playing it. So that's going to be a late-to-the-game episode that's up. what i've been talking myself into and uh very yeah, cool. i've been enjoying them dan what are you talking yourself into
0: i'm talking myself into something that is not as fun or as exciting um i'm talking myself into waking up <laughs> earlier during the week <laughs> before uh, you said oh, it boy. i
2: was gonna say it's not as exciting as gatorade <laughs> well, and I'm then at, you said I'm at jimmy's then you said the most boring thing i've ever <laughs> Yeah, it's not as exciting as Gatorade. It's not, especially <laughs> not a, a lemon pepino Gatorade. So I'm
0: I'm a person who runs late. You guys know that about me. Happens, yes. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like it, but I also don't hate it. Um, I'm a late, late guy. Um, I've gotten into a bad pattern during COVID. I. I'm sort of in my own area away from the rest of my department. And I've just progressively been like waking up later and arriving to work later and later. (laughs) And I make my hours like I get 40 hours. So it's not been a big deal. But I just found out that I'm going to be moving back to the same building as my other coworkers. So I really have to start getting there on time. And I hate the feeling of just like stumbling out of bed and like throwing on clothes and running to work. Um, So I really would like to be the type of person that gets up and like maybe exercises a little, maybe like um, eats a healthy breakfast or makes myself a cup of coffee. I, I have not been that person my entire life, and I don't know that I can get there. But if I can stumble out of bed and make it to work on time rather than five minutes late, that's a small victory I can take. Oh,
2: you're only five minutes late? Oh, no, no. that would be good too. I'm fifteen oh, minutes late usually that's it oh, <laughs> oh, dude, My last job i was I was like half hour every day. Yeah, well, I also I don't am the complete
1: opposite. I am usually a half hour early to work every oh, day. What a waste of time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: leave work early
2: oh okay dude, i I also my, don't have my office of... is literally ten feet below where I sleep, and I'm late to work yeah i
0: was gonna say like i only work four minutes away from my house but if i wake up five minutes after i'm supposed to be there i don't have a lot of
1: (laughs) flexibility i got to work at uh, at six o'clock my my shift starts at six o'clock and somebody and i was just saying to somebody i was like oh i'm sorry i i I was late and they were they were like you were on time
0: that was like yeah but like i like to get here a half hour early See, if I'm, like, going to be more than, like, 20 minutes late, I'll call my boss, and she's always like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm not there yet either. (laughs) So I love that, but also it's turned me into a late monster. I'm pretty sure you've been there. Yeah.
2: All of ours were kind of boring.
1: Yeah. I'm playing video games, man. I don't care what you have to say. It's fun for me.
2: You're right.
0: okay fellas uh the classic we yeah, got it the classic uh this week jimmy and i are taking an opportunity to talk jeff into a movie that we both love with an accompanying soundtrack that we both love that's oh, right i gotta i gotta listen to that too yeah baby i like Actually, it like i don't think that. the soundtrack is streaming well there may be a playlist made of all the songs on the soundtrack so we can do it ourselves okay um the Big Chill, Jeff. It's a 1983 hmm. uh, drama slash comedy film full of good feels and bad hurts. Uh-huh. Um, it's directed by Larry Kasdan. You know who that guy is? Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Amongst Go. other things. Um, it's got a big ensemble cast. Have you ever seen The Big Chill, Jeff? I'm guessing not. Never even heard the name before we recorded today. Jimmy. Jimmy. I talked yes. you into the big chill, right? Yeah, we watched it uh, together. I believe
1: on your parents' uh, TV in the basement. I, I'm pretty sure it was me, my mom, maybe your parents too, and uh, we watched it, and it was very enjoyable because you just got the uh, the movie from the Criterion Collection.
0: Yes,
1: yes, which yes, I indeed. also own now.
0: It's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, tell Jeff a little bit about what the, the movie's not very plot heavy, but tell him, you know, <laughs> no, what- it's not
1: yeah it's not a very plot heavy movie. It's basically a group of friends, I believe from college. Yep. um, they all have to get together because one of the friends had unfortunately passed away, and they're all staying in this big house that one of the friends owns, and it's basically just the drama that that uh comes around from so the chill, all is these them people hanging out, yeah yeah it's basically them all chilling out or
0: is it the chill in their relationships as they've drifted apart over the past 15 years yeah
2: it sounds like like a
0: lot of movies i've seen before Mm. well this is probably where they were inspired from Mm. that was not phrased correctly this is probably what they were inspired by
1: (laughs) yeah Mm. um but yeah it's got, got a lot of good actors in it um what's his name from jurassic park can't think of his name off the top of my head jeff the t-rex oh
2: Oh, i was wrong yeah that (laughs) would have been way cooler if the t-rex was just like one of their high school friends and it shows up (laughs) so jeff
0: our last episode was an ensemble tv show we talked to jimmy about and we we talked about how this was full of actors that you'd be like oh that guy well, right. this is the 1980s version of that. There are so many right. 1980s actors and actresses that you'll be like, "Oh, it's that person." <laughs> okay, uh, Jeff Goldblum, William Hurt, William Hurt, Kevin Kline, um, Tom Berenger, Glenn Close. It's it's full of people, and uh, yeah, Jimmy hit the nail on the head. It's basically these friends have gotten back together for a funeral, which sucks, but they're also using the opportunity to reconnect. They've drifted apart. It's basically without a paddle. That was a joke. Never saw that. <laughs> okay. The, the Never Devin the joke died. film? <laughs> yeah. Also, I would say like, keep notice, Jeff, take notice. The fact that when this film takes place, um, it came out in 83 and it takes place in current times. Um, and, and that these all became friends, in college, fifteen years prior, puts this firmly in a very interesting um, transitionary period between like former hippies who are now like yuppies, which is really in- interesting contextually to see how that affects their relationships and the- and their way their lifestyle has evolved.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, but also adding to this, uh, we we talked about that we're also going to be talking to da- uh, to Jeff about the uh soundtrack that accompanies this playlist for yeah. this movie um so basically when i remember sitting and watching this movie and i was like this is has a really good soundtrack like it basically it almost kind of reminds me of like a guardians to the Ga- guardians of the galaxy before like obviously like years before that uh they just took a lot of really good pop songs or like songs from like when they were like in college stuff like that um and put them all together and it works really well mm-hmm. in my opinion
0: yeah, I agree. I mean, it's um, it definitely thematically ties the film together to feel nostalgic, even if it's right. not nostalgia for our lifetime. Um, And I think because it's integrated into the film, like the characters are listening to these songs as they're congregating really does a good job of framing them as friends with a history and like a shared history. Right. Yeah so jeff we're gonna have you check out the big chill um where is it streaming i have no idea and i, I don't believe anywhere oh we're, we're uh, killing you this time uh, yeah uh well jeff the good news is jimmy Beans. and i both own this film oh, okay so what's all that sound effects from? <laughs> um so yeah uh you can rent it from Amazon Prime or you can borrow it for from us. Um, yeah, I'll do for that. free. I'll borrow it for free. Yeah. And uh, we're also going to have you check out the soundtrack, which, as Jimmy mentioned, I don't believe is available streaming, but I'm pretty sure all the songs are. So I will put together a playlist and we'll post it in the show notes for you to check out that soundtrack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jeff, I, I'm pretty sure this is the shoe in I'm I'm fairly certain you're gonna like this movie. Um, it, it's good. It's a really good like feel-good movie, um, but also some twists and turns that are a little uh, interesting.
2: I would say I'm excited, but I'm um, kind of not. It's just like <laughs> why? I don't it's know. Awesome. It's, just, it's just it's it's something I've never heard of and something that doesn't really sound that great. But I'm going into it with an open mind. It just sounds like a normal movie.
1: I was actually very surprised when I watched it for the first time. I was in the exact same boat that you were in, Jeff. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to watch this or not. And then, like, I was like, eh, whatever, I'll watch it. And then it became, I wouldn't say a favorite movie of mine, but it's a movie that I hold in high regard.
2: Yeah, like, I'm sure it's good. You both like it. But right now, I'm just like, okay. Yeah, I get that. It does a
0: super good job of telling the stories of these friendships without like sitting down and monologuing just like mm. showing rather than telling yeah. and you can also
1: power the, the, the uh, soundtrack on vinyl too because I do own that Yeah, <laughs> you wanted to do, do that too. Yeah. Uh,
0: cool. and, uh, and I think you'll also appreciate it because it feels like if you took one of Jimmy's coming of age stories and flashed it forward <laughs> 15 years to when they all don't like each other anymore <laughs> yeah it's so true. check it out the big chill we're going to be spoiling it And the soundtrack is dope, so we're going to talk about that, too.
2: Okay. September 28th, 1983 was the date that this movie was released, according to wikipedia.com. Yes. This movie, The Big Chill... It's the chilliest, it's the biggest, it's the the-est Let's go boys. Okay. So, z-
0: These are definitely the takes of someone who did not take notes.
2: I, I no, <laughs> I didn't take notes and I watched it but I'm a literally
0: going to emphasize every word in the three word title. <laughs>
2: Kevin Klein is given a bath to a boy who is the director's son, I believe, because he was credited as something Kaz did. I saw that in the credits and all of a sudden Glenn Close, by the way, I don't remember any of these characters names other than Alex. So we're just we're just going to have to go with like Mustache Boy and Jeff Goldblum. Um, But (laughs) so Glenn Close gets a phone call. And you find out by the look on her face, something bad has happened. And that something bad turns out to be a childhood friend. Alex has met his demise by his own hand. And um, you you see uh, this cast of characters come together for his funeral. And they're all traveling around from all over. And it's Jeff, over the opening credits. Yes.
0: I don't want to stomp over what you're saying. But mm-hmm. you glossed over something that is very minor, but is also like oddly one of my favorite montages in movies. Mm-hmm. Which is I, oh, I guess you're there. I don't know if you were going to touch on it, but while we
2: see this group of friends coming together, it's intercut with scenes of what initially appears. To so, be Dan, him. I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, that was the next word out of my mouth, and then oh, you cut sorry. me off. That's literally what I was talking Say about, it, Jeff. Uh, so yeah, it, it's cut between somebody getting dressed for, uh, like in a suit. So you're like, all right, they're going to a funeral, they're getting dressed up, and at one point you see like this lady's hands like do a belt, and I tie. was like tying a tie. I'm like, all right, somebody's wife is tying a tie, and then they do his belt. I was like, yeah, I wish you know my wife would tie my belt. If you know what I'm talking about? And then, um, and then you they they just show casually pulling down the sleeve and there's stitches on the wrist so it is actually them dressing the cadaver and you never see alex's face and i think that's a good decision i I read that kevin costner got cast as alex uh and his face was cut out and i'm glad they did that i like that even throughout the whole movie you never once see a flashback you never see alex because the movie's not about alex is it fellas that's true uh you
1: hit on a really big point and i definitely agree with that i think if he was in the movie it would probably give a little bit of it wouldn't be like the same movie
2: yeah i mean
0: this is a very poor correlation but the the best example i can think of is recently i was listening to a podcast about the falcon and the winter soldier (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) They basically said that um, there was some talk of Chris Evans appearing as Steve Rogers, but Mm -hmm. they decided later that the strongest presence for Steve Rogers was a lack of presence. And I think although the movie, I think Jeff's correct, the movie's not about Alex. The strongest way that he can affect the film is his absence. Right. Right. Because we we see um, like what's... Not only like why the group is there and why the group is sad, but also like how he existed within the group and
2: brought the group together and how they're different without him.
1: Yeah, right. So,
2: so we're introduced to, as I said, Mustache Boy. He's the Tom Selick of the group. He became a famous TV actor. He's Tom who... Berenger and he plays Sam something. Yeah, Sam I'll jump Sam in Sannington. when I can. Um, and, and you could tell he's got he's got some issues, but we don't really know what they are. You can tell throughout the movie, you know, he, he he's an actor, which a lot of people would like to do and get paid well. But he's not very proud of his work, as we see when they show yeah. his yeah. television show. He's
0: in an actor in
2: a very cheesy, like Miami Vice, uh, yeah. Magnum P.I. type show set in New Orleans. And uh, Jeff Goldblum is a journalist for People Magazine, and we find out quickly. That, and, and I'm jumping all over the place. I'm not really going and no. I think words. you're smart to take a character by character. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum plays a reporter who did a piece on him that wasn't didn't uh, hold him in the highest light. And, it wasn't you know, complimentary. And it yeah, seems and we're not have... we're not told fine details, which I think is fine. I don't think we need to know that because um, you see throughout the movie how that tension is building up and then well, you can infer
0: that jeff goldblum's article had something to do with the the ending of sam's marriage mm-hmm. um also want to just say that jeff goldblum
2: is doing all the most jeff goldblum jeff goldblum things he can <laughs> this was, do he's jeff goldblum before i knew jeff goldblum was jeff goldblum right the yeah, first movie right. i thought jeff goldblum was in was either the fly or earth girls are easy i didn't know he was in a serious role before like a silly role because um, this is pretty early on in his career in 1983 um, we're introduced to Thunderbolt Ross William Hurt who yeah. is my age or younger in this movie but his hair says otherwise huh. he is <laughs> we find out that he is pretty much just living out of his car he's homeless um, right he's and, a
1: Vietnam war vet
2: yeah and uh, we're introduced to some ladies Uh, One of the ladies is Alex's girlfriend who was living with him at Glenn Close and Kevin Klein's lake house for a little while, trying to get back on his feet. She's younger than all of them. That's Um, Chloe. Yeah, Chloe, a little bit younger than all of them. And she has some pretty good one liners in here because a lot of the humor in here is kind of kind of dry. And just because of when it was made The timing is a little different than we would expect from a comedy now. So at some points, it's hard to tell whether there's a joke or just a weird thing to say. I would say
0: a lot of the humor, especially
2: in regards to Chloe, comes from awkwardness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're introduced to um, two other ladies. One of them is single and trying to have a baby. And I can't remember her name. Meg and her haircut is 1983 <laughs> incarnate, and yes, we're, we're introduced to another lady who you can tell kind of has just like a boring, mundane marriage. Karen, um, Karen, I and think I got all the characters. <laughs> Did I get all the characters? Am I missing anybody? I you got so. all the
0: characters. Uh, I, I will say that Kevin Klein is Harold, and his wife, played by Glenn Close, is Sarah.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I'll forget that moving forward. Let's talk a little bit about you touched on um Jeff Goldblum's job. You touched on uh Tom Berenger's character's job. Let's mm-hmm. continue down that trend because I think
2: a lot of their worldviews are sculpted right on, so on where they are right now. Harold is a business owner of a successful business that's about to get purchased by a larger business. So he's kind of given out some uh tips about his stocks, which is very illegal, which yep. he mentions. Um Alex knew one, he's no longer with us, rest in peace, Mr. Costner. And he's trying to give <laughs> tips to, I believe, a uh, homeless boy, right? William Hurt. I don't know that he's homeless. You keep making that inference. But well, I mean, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, they allow him to stay at their house because he has nowhere else to go. Like they even make a comment like, oh, I want to mail you this. Should I just send it to your car? Yeah. And they show I don't him getting know that dressed so out so much trunk.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that it's so much about him not having somewhere to go. It's that they're trying to get him to change his life because he's a drug dealer. Yeah, there's there's drugs in here. Yeah, I mean he's literally a drug dealer. Like he yeah he's interviewing himself and he asks what he d- does and he says that he's in sales and he pulls a pound of weed that's duct taped to the bottom of his car out and he also has <laughs> a bag of pills in his glove compartment box. Right. Um. I don't know what the other people do. So, um, Karen, I believe is a homemaker. Um, she's the one who has the sons and the husband that doesn't really care about her too much,
2: who said Uh, some real shitty stuff, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, so there's a lot of dark humor in here. A lot of the friends are talking about, you know, making like death jokes, suicide jokes. And to me, that's their way of coping with losing a friend, especially in their, you know, late thirties, which they all are about um and then you have this outsider come in also making comments i wouldn't even say they were jokes just like oh you know nobody tells you that life isn't fun maybe alex figure that out nobody told me and you know that's that's a pretty shitty thing to say to a group of people who literally just buried a friend yeah he's uh
0: judgmental and uh there's also a vibe... So you're referencing the scene where Richard, Karen's husband, uh, is up in the middle of the night making himself a sandwich. So yeah. Yep. To me, the making the sandwich is a metaphor for his whole situation within this group is that he's made himself way too comfortable. He does not know these people. Correct. Right? And they don't know him. And it's interesting, like, when he first is introduced to them at the funeral, he he says to... I, I think he says it to Harold and... Um, uh, Harold's wife, who I just forgot her name, but uh, he basically says like, "Oh, I've heard so much about you. It's so nice to place, you know, a face to the name." And it it becomes clear between the look that's exchanged between them that they have not heard a lot about him, right? It's not like Karen no. has been regaling them with stories of how great Richard is. No, I'm mean, yeah, there was this
1: whole scene when um, uh, Karen and Richard were driving, I think, to um, the cemetery and uh he basically said like man these are not like how you describe these people or whatever he was just already like very judgmental mm-hmm. and he was like i hate to hear how you described me to them or and whatever. she's just and, looking like, off in the distance yeah yeah it was it was pretty funny um
2: yeah i mean like th- there's a few things not story-wise because you were talking about them in the car when they're like traveling from the church to the burial spot or back to the lake house wherever they were going right that lawrence kasdan did which was there's a lot of cool shots in this, especially for this time, because when when I think about movies around this time, Unless it's, like, some, like, big production. I don't think about the cinematography as being great, right? Like, this Mm -hmm. is a pretty chill, low-key movie. Uh, A big chill, low-key movie, all right? But he has some cool shots with them, like, getting in the cars and some cool cuts, like, you know, focus on, like, a headlight and then, like, a door slamming. And then when they pull up to the the burial site, when all the cars pull up at the same time, the drivers get out, open their doors, and then go back and open the doors, they synchronize it really well. It's just, like, this really nice shot in a movie where i wasn't expecting that mm. so yeah, i don't want to keep jumping back to this but i think Let's, it's important yeah, jump
0: for the context of the film to sh- that a lot of this movie which i think we referenced in the first half of this episode is about the death of idealism and about how people grow and mature but also sort of give up on their dreams um, so this was a group right. of, of friends in the 60s in college who thought that they were going to change the world. And I think it's important to highlight how none of them are doing that. Yeah. Um, so Sam is a TV actor. Glenn Close is um, her character is a doctor, which, OK, she's helping people. Jeff Goldblum was supposed to be writing the great American novel of the 60s. And instead, he's writing short little articles that people can read on their toilet, which yeah. uh, William Hurt as Nick he's completely burnt out after his experience in this in the uh, Vietnam War he tried to be a psychologist on the radio but felt like he wasn't actually helping anyone so now he's a drug dealer um, we talked about Kevin Klein he's a shoe salesman his company is sort of like a precursor to Foot Locker they're like a regional shoe store um, Meg was a public defender which is like a very important thing a way to help you know support innocent people in the legal system and instead she became burnt out by how quote unquote how guilty they all were and now she is a corporate lawyer that is literally helping destroy the environment yeah um uh chloe is the young one i'm just going through the list of characters karen is a homemaker those are like sort of the main the main characters um, we see kind of that the only one that was trying to find his way in the world was Alex and, and he's gone now. Right. And it's interesting. It's an interesting look on. So he was the only one that was unable to give up on his ideals. And what did it do to him? It led to his depression and possibly his death
1: yeah and he's always he was like always looking for like something new to do Mm -hmm. like uh i think at one point they were like all going through like his different career paths and stuff and uh it's very interesting to see that like he was the one that was like kept on trying at it you know
0: yeah and basically like what's referenced later is he had wished that he had taken this fellowship so you have to make a lot of inferences. We don't know what the fellowship was about, why he turned it down, anything like that. But it seems that his turning down of this opportunity was something that they all admired in the past. Like um Michael, Jeff Goldblum's character, wrote an article about it. Um, about how great it was that he stuck to his, you know, stuck to his Uh, why can't I think of a word here? Ideals. Yes, thank you. He stuck to his ideals and he turned down this fellowship, but then we see the repercussions of that, that he was never able to fulfill his career goals Um, and in hindsight, he regrets turning down that fellowship and I think each of them had an opportunity in life where they could have, you know, there was a fork in the road and Alex is the only one that didn't take the opportunity. The rest of them went for it and How has that played out? They are all much more successful, but none of them seem really satisfied or happy, excluding possibly Harold. There's a moment in here where they're all, you know, showing signs of regret that saying, oh, we were much better people when we were together. And he pushes back on that. And he's like, no, I'm happy with my life. I'm happy being a success and having a family and and things like that. Jeff,
2: what did you think about these sort of big themes throughout this film? I don't know if I have anything else to add to what you said. I mean, I agree with what you just said. It's I mean, true, it's not a plot-heavy film. Like, li- no, it's definitely not. But it is true to life. I mean, I'm basically the same age as these people. They're a couple years I actually looked up their ages. It's That's a running theme these last two talk me into episodes. Because <laughs> I, I feel really old. Because, like, to me, these actors are old and they're like in their 70s now but watching that like i always felt like they were in their 70s but watching <laughs> but like finding out they're like my age and at this point in their lives in this movie is yeah i mean i can totally relate to that i don't i mean dan's like one of my only high school friends left you know like yeah. i don't i don't have this i have some great memories from high school or that era like the college era and you know i still get along with a lot of people but it's not like I'm not living my life for a group of 10 people anymore. You know what I mean? Well, So here's the thing. They
0: haven't been either. For many of them, this is the first time getting together in 15 years. No, that's what I'm saying. So imagine, okay, a few years ago, like five years ago, was our 15-year high school anniversary. So imagine if one of our friends, this is dark, but imagine if one of our friends killed themselves and the group of us who were always together in high school got back together. So it would be like, not to get too insular, but just to prove a point, it would be like if me, you, Adam, Dan, Caleb, all those people got together
2: for a long weekend. That would be odd. I I don't think it would be odd. I think it would be fun. I think we'd just, you know, hang out pick up where we left off which you know we also have the internet but we also have the internet these people don't like you know i'll i interact with caleb all the time i haven't seen him in a long time but we still you know like like each other's photos and make funny comments on social media you know i'll still i haven't seen adam in a couple years just because of like COVID and stuff but like you know we recently played D for several years together i text him about music all the time so it is different. like yeah they could they could call each other back then but like there's not that in your face like and that's also the thing with reunions i graduated high school 18 years ago i haven't gone to a reunion that like out of the two that we've had because everybody i give a f- sorry jim about in high school i'm either still in touch with or i'm friends with on facebook i knew this dude from middle school marco kept in touch with him on facebook He's a DJ. Had him DJ my wedding. Like it was the first and only time I saw him <laughs> since we graduated high school. But like so, I feel like I he's still in my life because like I saw you know he, had, he got married, had a daughter, all that shit. So it's I think funny the though how different. it's funny though how exactly
0: you're proving the point of this film though because right yeah you're you're saying like I still stay in touch with them and stuff like that but I would make a strong wager that if I put you in a house for a three day weekend with a group of these people you would realize that you're all very different than you were. And I already that, know that I'm very different than I, I'm Well, what I'm saying is out of all though, of them. They thought they were in touch with all these people too, until they got in a room together and realized they're different and they have not been as close with these people as they thought they were. And yeah, it leads but they're to conflict, all th-
2: but they're all talking about like these big things. If you put us in a room together with all the people you just mentioned or more like our friends group, we would make dick jokes we would talk about like music uh we would just like probably sh- i don't know that that's would true. be it for like three days we would just joke right. like when we go to hang out at jimmy's for a weekend when we're recording or something yeah we'll like talk over dinner or something but other than that we're talking about music we're punching each other in the butts you know so i mean i think that's an important thing
0: to point out is that you can't talk about this movie without talking about uh for me Uh, privilege and race and, and social (laughs) status. These are, this is a very white movie. Yeah. These are all white people who they went to college at Michigan, which is a very good college. So Mm -hmm. these are well-educated, well-off white people who for the most part all have like pretty high paying jobs. So the idea that they can all sit in this house comfortably without worrying about money or having somewhere to sleep or anything like that. Like like this is Harold and um, Sarah's like summer home and yeah. it has enough room to put up all these people and it's no big deal to go to the grocery store and buy food for all these people. So. And they all can afford to leave their jobs for a long weekend. So just the fact that they're in this place in their life where they can sit and speak introspectively is a privilege. But it's also that they're the type of people who would speak introspectively. They were the type of people in college who were, you know, discussing psychology and philosophy and how to make the world a better place. I mean,
2: so were we, but we just did it through punk.
0: Yeah, but I think that's an interesting thing to look at. I mean, it, it probably wouldn't play out like this, but it also doesn't seem far-fetched. No, I forgot
2: what your point even was. We've My point is that, can you relate to this? My point <laughs> is Yes, that- yes, I can. I can totally relate to it. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I literally agreed with you 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah okay cool what are we talking about next (laughs) yeah
1: it's funny going down this like long tangent too because like obviously dan you're talking a lot about like the themes and stuff of this movie too and like obviously i appreciate all of that uh along with that and obviously it feels very much something like you can relate to but like i'm just looking at it as like these are all characters that feel like real people and i appreciate that especially in a movie um Especially just like as a writer too, like I'm just like man, it's it's really cool that like these just all feel like college friends and like people that like obviously have a past, um, have drifted apart, and I'm like I just strive to like write like that, you know? And I yeah, think it's they're really all well super
0: three dimensional.
1: Yeah, it's it's really cool, and like it just feels like nostalgic. I don't not necessarily for like, um, for the time period, but like just like
0: nostalgic them. for
1: our own lives right exactly um or like, for lives
0: it, that for moment experiences that we never had but we feel like we should have
1: exactly yeah and it, it's just strange because like I don't know. It it makes me feel things that I was just not expecting, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of like sitting around and talking in this movie, but the moment that I always think of and I think the moment that is affected and lived on in the in the history of cinema is the dance scene when they're cleaning up the table. Yeah this feels so real and yet so not real. Like I, this, I don't think this has ever happened or will ever happen with me and a group of friends or family, but also I like,
2: it, I think it could happen for more for family than friends. But yeah, it does feel nostalgic. Doesn't it guys next yeah. cook with us video. We're recreating we're the dinner from the big chill and we're <laughs> dancing our little booties off.
0: That'd be fun. What, what are that. they dancing to? Oh, ain't too proud to beg. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this is a beautiful scene. You want to talk about cinematography and the way this is shot. This is a simple scene, but the way these shots are framed where you're seeing them like pass, you know, it's a very choreographed like cleanup sequence. And Mm -hmm. I love that it's juxtaposed. There's these two groups. There's the group in the kitchen that's very much dancing. And then there's the group in the dining room that's um, just talking a little bit more i don't know it's just it's interesting the way these this plays out and it's shot like in the kitchen it's not framed as much to show their faces as it is to show like their hips which is an interesting way of like portraying dancing Mm -hmm. i don't know i just love that way that scene's framed
1: yeah it's really good
2: uh how (laughs) how involved was lawrence kasdan and indiana jones movies i have no idea because there was a scene when there was like a bat in the attic and they were trying to like go get it and one of one of them was whistling the indiana jones theme song and i was like ah yeah i noticed that
0: i wouldn't be surprised if that was put in there like on purpose like as a joke yeah i
2: mean yeah like it was it was in the cultural zeitgeist of the era but also george lucas steven spielberg so he co-wrote raiders of the lost ark ah there we go that's that makes sense very cool that was my favorite part of the movie <laughs> i i thought like a boulder was going to come rolling down the attic stairs i mean <laughs> there's not a lot of plot to this movie but i think no, there are absolutely into not.
0: a couple subplots that are running throughout the groups of friends so all
2: right so we, the the lady with the husband that's a dodo bird uh Karen. her in, Karen, Karen, her and Sam Mustachio Boy. They used to have a thing going on and they're, uh, you know... So you're kinda, wrong. Or they want to have a thing going on. Yeah,
0: she used to date William Hurt's character, mm. um, Nick, but there was always an unrequited thing with Sam. So okay. Sam... Always had a crush on her, but would never make a move because she was dating Nick. And now that her relationship with her husband is failing, and as we find out, uh, Nick is no longer to perform sexual intercourse (laughs) um, because of injuries sustained in Vietnam, uh, she basically makes a move on Sam, and I think it's interesting because at first... There's this discussion between them about her leaving her husband and, you know, moving to L.A. to be with Sam and and bringing the boys there and how he wants a family. But then he sort of like backs off from that and says that he can't make that kind of commitment. And then she gets all mad. She does. And it becomes clear that she was sort of playing coy and wanting him to make the first move. But she had made this plan the whole time. Right. And uh they end up having sex, but by the end of the movie it's clear like they're not gonna change their lives. Karen's gonna go back to Richard and it was just a
2: one night thing. And I think they're It's both just okay a wild romp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh and then at one point 80s hair lady, for some Meg. reason Glenn, yeah, Glenn Close pimps out her husband to her vagina. Okay, that's that's not <laughs> a nice way to say any of that. <laughs>
0: Meg wants to get pregnant and she decides that these are the best men she's known. So she wants one of them to do it this weekend. Um, First, she goes to Nick, who reveals that he cannot do that. He's impotent. Then she goes to Sam, who basically says that, listen, like I have my own kid that I'm trying to form a relationship with. And I don't think I could I don't think I could like not be a part of that child's life. So they decide it's not a great idea. Michael
2: Jeff Goldblum's character is like all for it to the point where it's (laughs) yeah it's very off yeah and like Jeff Goldblum he's he's trying to mack it with Chloe like the first he met her sitting in the church at the funeral and he's like hey baby you know well we literally see in the opening montage when they're all packing to to come together that's what I mean yeah Michael
0: packs lube and like three packs of condoms um and he has a girlfriend so that's interesting but um. So, yeah, I don't think Meg is super interested in, in going down that road with Michael. So she doesn't think it's going to happen. And then Sarah comes up with this plan, which, OK, I think it's 50 50. I think 50 percent she wants Meg to have this pregnancy and thinks that, you know, Harold is the right guy for it. We also find out that Sarah has had an affair with Alex. Yeah. And, and it's been very hard to move past that with Harold. And I think there's part of her that thinks that if Alex or if Harold The great
2: can, equalizer. Exactly. If <laughs>
0: Harold can have this night with Meg, that it'll sort of even them out. Like they've both been able to have their dalliances in their marriage and that it'll they'll be able to move past it. Right. I don't Which know
1: if in real life, cool. I don't think that's really a thing, but like no, I mean, for, like, for the themes of the movie, it works. She's a
2: doctor and she's like, you know, it's probably won't happen in one night. So really, she's just let in her husband go deep in that. <laughs> wow, Jeff. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Uh, what are other un, what are some of the other
0: subplots? Um, well, there's the th- what. What Nick is going through, which is that Nick seems to be out of all of them, the one who's trying to understand Alex the most. Um, There's a lot of scenes where he goes to the the farmhouse that Alex was working on with Chloe. And he's sort of like falling in love with that lifestyle. He's getting closer to Chloe, but not in a gross Michael way. Uh, He's actually like trying (laughs) to understand her relationship with Alex. Yeah. Yeah. and he's just sort of like falling in love with that lifestyle, living in that property. And I think also Harold has made some good points about how Nick needs to change his life and things like that. And then we find out at the end of the movie. And, and what I think is like a really beautiful scene um, when they're talking about, you know, I can drive someone back to the airport, yada, yada. Um, Harold basically says like, oh, Nick's going to stay on him and Chloe are going to keep working on the uh, the farmhouse. What did you guys think about that?
1: i think it's great i think it, it works thematically for the character too and i agree with um basically he's um he's kind of like falling in the same footstep uh of um sorry my cat just jumped on the table um he's basically falling the footsteps paris, of alex you bitch <laughs> you're right it was paris i know pumpkin would never do that paris is the one pumpkin's a good
0: boy <laughs>
1: pumpkin's done it before too um but yeah he's basically following in the same footsteps as alex too and it's kind of cool to see him like sort of figuring himself out with like I, i don't know like the shadow of his dead friend i don't know if that's like a good way to put it but
0: i almost view it as him continuing this like quest or this journey to find truth right in their life and how like It's a real outsider lifestyle. They're living like off the grid in the middle of this meadow in this beat up house and and things like that. It's it's a quest for like simplicity, which to me throughout this film, like Nick is really hiding in the chaos. He's he's quiet in a lot of these scenes. And when he does chime in, they're almost like too introspective for what the rest of the group is talking about. Mm. I don't know. It seems like he's been on the run from himself and his issues for a while. And this feel really feels like a a healing, a healing journey for his character to stay on and explore this relationship with Chloe. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I don't want to say that he's like taking over for Alex because it doesn't feel like he's doing that. It feels like he's confronting some of his issues.
1: Yeah, for sure. Jeff
0: yeah any uh any overall thoughts about the movie or where it leaves the characters
2: I think that it leaves the characters pretty much in the same place as we meet them right I mean there's there were some like there wasn't much progression right it seems like it, this is like a pocket bubble of time in their lives right they show up a couple things happen and then at the end of it, their lives are exactly the same, with the exception of Nick, because he's, like, staying at that house and he's kind of, like, you know. Um, I think that The weekend was a good experience for them, but I don't think that it did much to change the characters. There wasn't really any real, like, tension or... Uh, not necessarily antagonists, because you don't need an antagonist in a movie like this. There could just be, like, beefs between people. Um I don't know. So, it there there weren't really any stakes. So when you're watching this, you're just you're seeing friends meet up again, how they would interact now after not seeing them for a little while and then going back to their normal mostly mundane lives. So I don't know what movie Jeff
0: watched, um but the movie <laughs> that I watched had stakes and almost every character went through a a character change and ended up different. Um Michael is leaving his job to write the novel that he has been supposed to write all this time. Nick is staying on in the house and not becoming yeah. a drug dealer. Harold and Sarah, although they may not have changed their lives dramatically, have embraced their life together. And I think are in the process of moving past the trauma of the affair. Um, the movie literally ends with them holding hands and smiling at yeah. each other. Um, <laughs> Who else? Uh, Sam has referenced that he's going to um, try to reconcile his relationship with his daughter. Uh, I don't know much about Karen. She may not have changed too much. Meg is committed to becoming a mom in a way that she was on the fence about before. So to me, they definitely have reignited some of the idealism within their group.
2: OK, did Jeff you hear that should in the be taking notes when he watches no, I mean, these movies? No, I thought that you laughed because you heard Lindsay talking to the baby in the background. No, I'm laughing I because
0: we have very different takes on this film. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the soundtrack. I don't think sure. we have to delve too deeply into it, because for me, no. a lot of these songs
2: are very familiar, but it's about the way that they're compiled and used in the film. So for most of the movie, I remember when we recorded the first half of this, you guys were like, the soundtracks integrated into the movie. You know, I think one of you might have said, like, it's even its own character. And I was like, very cool. And before I watched the movie, I was at Red Scroll Records in Longford, Connecticut. They're not a sponsor. They are just a fantastic shop. And I saw the soundtrack and I was like, $5, looked at the listing or the the track list. I was like, yeah, I'll buy this. There's like Marvin Gaye in here, you know, like Aretha Mm -hmm. Franklin. There's some good songs. I'll listen to this. And it was good. It's, you know, it's only 10 songs. There's way more songs in here. And I think the reason that the soundtrack is shorter or the selection of songs it did is because it was put out by Motown. So they put out like the Motown part because like there's no Rolling Stones on this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's no Credence. But when you guys told me that at the first time I noticed it was at the funeral when Karen gets on the organ yes. and starts playing, yep. you can't always get what you want or whatever the song is called. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. And then like the organ transitions into the real song as they're driving away. And I was like, very cool. That mm-hmm. was, <laughs> that was done really great. And um, other than that, it's a long time. Like their songs playing throughout the movie, but they're not really integrated and they feels like it could be any song. Um, When most of them play, like Dan, you mentioned when they're dancing at dinner and they're like singing along like that was a cool integration because like the songs in the movie, they're interacting with the song. And there's another moment when I think it was Nick and i don't i don't remember who it was they were in a car and credence comes on and they're talking about like hey remember when we saw them and they're like right. there's no good music in the last 20 Terrible, years and they're i like, think yeah yeah and they're like arguing i was like okay but other than those three moments i don't think that the soundtrack holds as much importance to this movie as you guys said it did <laughs> i mean i heard it it's the grapevine plays <clears throat>
0: as they're finding out that alex has killed himself in that opening montage <clears throat> It, this this the music yeah. of these soundtrack literally like tell the story of the movie and and like years later they released more songs from the original yeah soundtrack, they, which they did yeah has a lot of of the rock songs that you're referencing mm-hmm. I, I tend to agree with you I think the original soundtrack. Probably wasn't expected to be as big of a hit as it was. and Most of the songs that you're referencing were probably left off just for business reasons. Like they cost too much. Yeah, like the the
2: band was in here. Right. That's a
0: great one in the film. Like they play the weight over the sequence where everyone's waking up. So a lot of the events that are like plot heavy happen on their last night together. So like that's when Karen and Sam hook up that's where meg and harold hook up um another funny moment is when michael is being creepy with chloe uh nick basically convinces him to take a lewd and he passes out so he wakes up like super hungover so when all these people are like waking up in the morning and realizing the consequences of their actions the prior night is uh, is when you get the weight which is just like a powerful i don't know sort of song about like going through changes and things like that
2: yeah no i mean i I didn't dislike the soundtrack at all um i don't know i I just think i was i might have been expecting more of that integration like the, the first song i mentioned that was very cool um, I just thought there was going to be more of that going forward in the movie, and there wasn't, and maybe that's my fault, or maybe I misunderstood you guys. Well, as a soundtrack, just to pop on the record, it's kind of a banger, don't you think? Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, I bought the record. I put it on and made uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast. Like, <laughs> I flipped it over one time, because that's what you do when you listen to a record. And, like, you know, I started cooking breakfast, and I finished breakfast, and it had just finished. It's like, you know, it's it's good. It's a, it's a good background record record and sound i like i like the Sanks as Cal chest of internet fame would say
0: yeah i think uh i think it works on both regards jim what do you think
1: yeah i think it's great i mean i can't always get what i want uh, what you want um playing during the funeral scene i was like this is such a weird choice but it works so well um, it, it's so good. Um, the weight playing one of my favorite songs, anyways. But it, it's it's so integrated in, into uh, this that scene you were talking about, Dan. I think it's so good. Um, I I heard it through the grapevine. That was really well done too. Um, the kid I also was think singing. another another.
0: Um, oh, sorry. I, I was going to say another um standout song for me is when they're having the conversation like together where they're all in the living room and it starts to get contentious between um, Sam and Nick about whether they actually had strong bonds or whether it was just because they were in the same
2: place at the same time. Yeah. That's, um, that was actually a pretty good conversation because you know, yeah. And the song you that's have playing to think during about that scene that too. Cause like, especially back then, sorry to cut you off Dan, but no, like, especially ahead before then like we brought up the internet now right like a lot of uh, i have a lot of friendships of people i met online i met my wife online but like there's a a lot of people you know you are given the option to be friends with fall in love with a certain amount of people within a certain area and that's that was a good conversation to have like you know um Mustache guy, he moved Same. to California. Yeah, Sam. Like, he's an actor. People come to him. You know what I mean? Like in certain professions of theirs, they meet more people. So you can be around more people, but certain people are just limited sometimes for life to these are the people that you will always interact with and in foreign bombs with. Deal right. with it. And they might all be jerks. You might be one of them. Well, it's also an exploration on of w- what is the appropriate
0: amount to analyze friendship. In other words, like mm-hmm. Um, Nick is basically saying, like, if you look at what we have in common, if you look at how we've stayed connected, if you looked at where we are in the world and in our lives, we don't really have a lot of a bond any longer. And Sam's basically saying, like, there comes a point where you're being too introspective and you need to rely on emotion. And I know that when we were at that time, we loved each other. And that matters more than, you know, thinking deep thoughts about who we are as people and and mm-hmm. the song that's playing in, in that moment is A Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum which is this sort of like ethereal like Oregon thing I don't know it just has this like melancholy emotion that I think fits that that conversation really well yeah anyways Jimmy do you have any final pushes for Jeff
1: um it's a movie that you can watch again um <laughs> uh, basically it's, that's
2: the thing about reviewing movies on yeah here. i mean uh,
1: when i first watched it too i was sort of like yeah i don't know i'm on the fence about it when i was going to watch it and then i watched it and i was like that is like one of the most like nostalgic slash like feel good movies slash feel bad movies. Like, I don't know. It's, it just like hit me with a wave of emotions. And like, this is one of the movies that I'll watch like every other year or so, just to like, just to experience it again, because I think it is like a really well movie, like a really good character study. And like, I could, you can probably teach a whole lesson just based on like writing and character development based on this movie. Um, so uh i mean it, it's it almost seems like you didn't really pick up on a whole lot of stuff jeff maybe you would benefit on a rewatch. so that's why i'm oh, saying that's, you should be talking that's a it. good
2: push i mean in your defense it did take me three tries to watch this because i was taking care of a child but i thought that i, I remember most of it yeah well i don't
1: know well, dan do you have any be, final pushes
0: yeah it'd be great if jeff said he needed another episode for a movie again <laughs> <that'd be fantastic. laughs> <laughs> Um, No I I agree with everything Jimmy says I I will say like interestingly enough In in just reading the Wikipedia page apparently This film led to A TV series which I've heard of but never Watched called 30 something that was Like inspired um, It was literally like adapted From the movie so it's almost like The parent parenthood movie that Became parenthood TV show Which Um, were very different tonally. Yeah. And I don't know. I can't speak to 30 something, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with Jimmy that if you were to watch this movie again, even if it's years down the road or if you show it to Lindsay or something, I I think it's something where you'll always find new things in it. Um, The, the way that these relationships are portrayed through dialogue and interaction between characters, there's so much depth. I mean, you can infer entire lives for these characters. Um, I also think that there's some really interesting stuff that was filmed and and cut from the movie. There's like some really like out there deleted scenes, flashback scenes that contain Kevin Costner and stuff. So you could really like have a different experience with this movie if you watch mm. the you know extended sequences and stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean there's not there's not a lot to go from. I, I think right now you had a first watch that was, all, a lot based on like understanding the characters and the plot of the film. But if you were to take another stab at it, I think you can really get into the depth. And like, for me, this is a movie that deals with a lot of the issues that we had, Jeff, which is being part of a counterculture movement and coming to terms with the fact that you need to move beyond that in order to have a life that you're happy in, which is difficult. Um,
2: Well, I've got to say, I've got to say to both of you, Those were probably the two best final pushes Talk Me Into has ever had. They were very, (laughs) very well put. And no, like for real, like those are especially we've talked about before, like final pushes with movies are hard. It's kind of like, will you rewatch this? Right. Right. Um, But no, those were both said very well. Thank you. All right, Jim. I think we should ask him the question.
1: All right. Jeff, did Dan and I talk you into the feature length film, The Big Chill
2: three two <laughs> one i was not Ah, jeff That's i, no, I did i i get what you guys are saying i understand it it was just too boring for me um i think that pacing was a problem and it maybe not pacing i don't know it just seemed boring um it seemed like i, I understand and i i like character stuff i i really do but i just could not get into any of this um it wasn't i wouldn't say it's confusing because you are thrown into like here's all this stuff that's happening and i'm not like uh, i'm not a dullard i i understand there weren't enough Um, star wars in this (laughs) i'm getting sick and tired of no star wars (laughs) um no i mean like it's hot it's hard to say no to a movie that i know is written well acted well and like directed well yeah (laughs) i just well i i don't i didn't
0: care for it i mean uh, in defense of the film and based on what you've alluded to i i think you're maybe not in the best place in
2: your life and your availability to appreciate this movie like no i mean like yeah i just said i was busy but that's how i've been doing all of talking me into lately. late like we just watched three episodes of rescue me while i was taking care of a baby and i was involved yeah, the whole time with all of that like more than
0: most movies i think this is one where you really need to sit down and like be absorbed
2: into the world well that's just more <laughs> reason why i'm a no because i, if, I understand if that. i have the option to watch any other movie I haven't seen before, not movie that I've seen that I know is good or that I like. If I have the option to watch, Hey, I heard this movie's good or Hey, here's the big chill again. I'm going to give another movie the, the opportunity over this every single time. No, I, I
0: understand that. I'm just saying like, if this movie was playing at bow tie cinemas in new Haven, like five years ago, when we were going there to see small indie character dramas, and you didn't have to worry about a wife and child and you could just soak into it. I think you probably would be a yes, but
2: mm, I hey, don't
0: know. You
2: have to, you have to find things at the right time in your life. I don't know. I, I do think that I, I don't think that I would have been a yes at any point in my life. You're maybe, wrong. you would maybe have. in the future I'll be a yes, like in 10 years from now, but I'll also never watch it again. Cause I'm just not in, And the soundtrack is good. It's fine. Uh, I paid five dollars for it. Whatever, uh, would I have paid ten dollars for it? No, I don't think it's that good. It's just you know, it's classic songs. That's fine, but it's just to me, the movie and the soundtrack is just there. You know, like I didn't actively hate it. I was bored. Um, I don't know. It's just a no. There's not. I I have nothing else to say about it. Okay. Well, Jim Oscar, so white
0: i I think rewatching it made me realize that this is one of my favorite movies, so that's an interesting thing that came out of this. I think I'm in the same boat two dan
1: <laughs> I rewatched it I was'- i rewatched it last year actually uh because I was doing like that whole big list of like movies I wanted to to watch and stuff but um and uh yeah, this rewatched in particular I was just like, man, this is such a good movie
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Jeff, you know what just else pooped is
1: all over it? It's fine. I,
2: I can see why you guys like it. I just don't. I mean, it didn't have enough
0: explosions for Jeff, and I get that. Uh, Jimmy, <laughs> yes. you, we're, you're talking us into something that's one of your favorite things next week. Oh, boy. I am so <laughs> excited for this. You sound like you're on the verge of tears. <laughs>
1: because i didn't realize it's next episode and like oh boy you just like threw me into the deep end man i am talking the boys into something that i have been into for the past 20 something years and that is the
2: phenomenon (laughs) known as sonic the hedgehog Um, I am very intrigued by this, and that's all I will say right now. There's not going to be a... Well, for for listeners of the show, there's not going to be
1: a whole lot that you guys are going to be able to partake in. in, uh, Oh,
2: my God, Jimmy, you're going to have us dress up like Sonic and Tails and chase each other around outside. We don't
1: have that, but... (laughs) We do have some activities we're going to be doing and we'll get into that more next oh episode. Oh my God, I
0: hope it's coloring books. <laughs> oh <laughs> He's going to teach us how to draw Sonic. I'm expecting you like did, the stuff. you weirdest just said that and that is ever.
1: absolutely 100% correct. I am going to have you guys draw Sonic. That is oh going to be God. one of the activities.
0: I'm I'm, interested in this because there's so many ways you can go. Like, I know you're into everything, Sonic. So I hope you don't kill us with content like there's video games, there's comics, there's movies, there's uh, music, there's cartoons. Like, please don't
2: make us do 12 hours of Sonic. It will be Jimmy. Yeah, I am speaking against my interest now i want you to get as weird as possible i i just i love when dan squirms like whenever you've done video games i'm like okay i'm not that great at this but dan is like oh i hate this it's just so funny to me
1: yeah uh we'll we'll have to get into the logistics of it but i do want you fellas to come over and we'll play some sonic that that's my goal um but uh we'll talk about it more next episode and in the meantime Dan, where can people find the podcast online?
0: Uh, you could find us at TalkMeInto on Twitter and Talk Me Into Pod on Instagram. Um, if you want to find where you can check us out on all po- podcasting platforms, you can visit TalkMeInto.com. Uh, as always, if you feel so inclined, you can email us, uh, TalkMeInto at gmail.com. And we have recently relaunched our Patreon. It's super cool. We have a whole bunch of new content coming out all the time, exclusive podcasts, um, videos before anyone else can see them we're launching a new video series soon uh, so check that out patreon.com slash talk me into and join at the $5 level to get access to everything Jeff where can people find you online
2: people could find me hanging out with my high school friends for three days <laughs> at their farm <farmhouse. laughs> which one of us is committing suicide oh <laughs> dips uh, you can find me on Twitter at J E F 27. that's Jeff with five F's the number 27 check me out on Instagram at magic the clippening where I post pictures of people with disgusting finger nails holding magic the gathering cards because that's the kind of time i have to waste in my life jimmy where can people find you online
1: you can find me at son of a fitch s-o-n-n-a-v-a-f-i-t-c-h on twitter instagram and youtube where i'm going to be getting increasingly excited about the sonic the hedgehog episode thank you for listening to talk me into what will we what
0: I'm on Twitter. Oh, Danny underscore
1: sorry, Dan. <laughs> now everyone has officially done it because I don't think I've ever done that before, Dan. You dumb, Why don't bastard. you close it out then?
0: Thank you for listening to talk me into where <laughs> nobody likes what I talk them into, and people forget to talk to me. What will we talk you into next? Gotta go Sega. fast. Yeah, it's Sonic.
2: Ooh, like the burgers? Yeah. Ooh. Who has the reviews ready? Because I don't have anything. I, I thought you I don't did, know. Jeff. I thought that was decided upon. Oh, am I doing the one that I sent you? Yeah.
1: Cool. That was one of the most weird introductions <laughs> of an episode we've ever had. Good. <laughs> there was a lot of well, dead I air.
2: I didn't want to say who, because I didn't know if it was like an Apple podcast or I don't know. Yeah. Dan just stopped talking all of a sudden. I didn't know what to say. I thought it was fine. Okay. Uh, who's bringing us in to talk ourselves into it should be jimmy he's the one <laughs> i already did it last episode no dan did didn't he yeah no i did yeah he did because i introduced the episode oh you're last. right you're right oh wait but right, jimmy you're right you're hold on hold on right, jimmy right no you just introduced this so i'll i'll bring us into this segment you're that's right. what i
1: was thinking of yeah you're
2: right you're right you're These right rules you're are right. arbitrary and don't matter
1: they do to me.
0: When a man loves a woman.